vaccinations and outbreaks before on the podcast, but I realized that we haven't specifically explored the epidemiological concept of, like, completely getting rid of a disease. If you know anything about eradication off the top of your head, it's probably that smallpox is the only disease we've successfully eradicated. Technically, it's the only one eradicated in humans because we've also eradicated a disease that pretty much only affects cows called rinderpest. But what does that mean exactly? Eradication. In the most basic sense, eradication means that an infectious disease is no longer present around the whole world. It's not the same as elimination, which is when an infectious disease is no longer present in a specific region or is only present in a very small number globally. At this point, new infections can be controlled through intervention like a vaccine program, but would reemerge if programs or interventions were stopped. Smallpox is the only disease that has been eradicated, meaning that it is not present in hosts in the world population. That doesn't mean that it's non-existent, because it is still in some scientific laboratories, but it's no longer something that you'll encounter in nature. And if there was no smallpox in a lab or anywhere like that, then it would be considered extinct. Now, diseases like polio have been eliminated in some parts of the world quite effectively, but it has not yet been eradicated. It is, however, one of the infectious diseases that has been identified by the World Health Organization as potentially being able to be eradicated, and there are already efforts underway to do so. That kind of brings us to the next question. What makes a disease potentially eradicatable? Why can't we just say, mm, this disease sucks, let's eradicate it, about like any contagion, and then just work on getting rid of it forever. So picking a disease for eradication comes with some important criteria, which makes sense because if you're going to invest a lot of time, money, and resources into something, you want to be at least a little bit confident that you could actually pull it off or at least make a dent in it, right? Especially when it's a global public health effort that has the potential to affect the lives of millions of people. The essential criteria that must be met for an infectious disease to be considered a candidate for eradication are as follows. First of all, in terms of the infective part, the microbe or bug or what have you, must only infect humans. There cannot be a non-human reservoir for it, meaning that it can't just be chilling out in a bat's belly somewhere in the jungle. Next, getting the infection must make a person immune to it for the rest of their life. It's also important that the disease a person gets from the pathogen is easy to diagnose so that it's recognizable and that also there are tools that everyone can use to be like, yeah, you got that disease and it's definitely not something else. Then the people who will be leading the effort to eradicate, so scientists and policymakers and doctors, etc., must have a tool and or plan that has been proven to stop the infectious agent from being spread from one person to another. In other words, a vaccine or a medication. From there, there has to be a commitment and investment from stakeholders in politics and financial realms to ensure that the program will be supported long enough to achieve eradication. And then finally, this is probably the most important thing and also like the hardest thing, everybody who's involved has to agree that the disease is a big problem and that putting all this work into getting rid of it is really important for the whole world. So if you think about these necessities a little bit more, you start to get a sense of just how hard it is to actually eradicate a disease. Not only do you need the science to be there, but you need a lot of people with different needs, wants, and desires to all agree on one thing. Now, I won't go too deep into the smallpox success story because we've already talked about it, but as a refresher or like summary of the key points, smallpox was like a bitchin' 
candidate for eradication for several reasons that tick those aforementioned boxes. First of all, smallpox was easily recognizable. It only infects humans and only humans can spread it. And when they get sick, it's super obvious that they have smallpox and like not something else. It also helps that smallpox generally only spread after a person was already obviously infected, which made it easier to contain. If it was able to be spread when a person didn't look or appear or feel sick, then it would have been much harder to get a handle on the transmission factor. Another factor was that controlling smallpox proved to be pretty reasonable because people who had already had it got lifelong immunity from it, and then the vaccine that was developed pretty much worked well for everybody who hadn't gotten it yet. And once that vaccine was produced, getting it into arms was actually a quick, if not painless, process. So people were down to try to eradicate smallpox because there was a lot of evidence that it would be successful, and since it would be the first, it would be a very big deal, and everybody wanted a piece of that glory pie. It also would mean that a disease that had a lot of stigma and suffering attached to it, going back as far as all of humanity, would no longer be one of the sucky things that humans had to contend with in a world that was rapidly becoming more of a suck fest with each passing era. So they had the commitment and the investment in the eradication program. And it paid off because in 1980, smallpox was declared officially eradicated by the World Health Organization. Now, all told, it cost about $300 million from global sources, of which the US was pretty much the one that gave the most money. But the payoff was well worth it economically. So statistics have since shown that as a nation, US recouped its investment in the smallpox eradication effort every 26 days after the disease had been eradicated in terms of what it was saving in medical costs of treating and vaccinating people against smallpox. So there you go. Riding the high of that success, we've continued to keep a short list of diseases that we are working on eradicating, plus some that we hope could potentially be eradicated if we just had the technology. So currently there are quite a few eradication programs underway for diseases that you'll recognize by name and several that you probably won't. So you've heard of polio and measles, but how much do you know about guinea worm. So polio and measles eradication seems possible because we have the vaccines that work against them. Guinea worm, on the other hand, currently has no cure. It's also mostly spread through water that's been contaminated, which means that addressing the issue of water safety as a global public health crisis is a major piece of the eradication intervention, a variable that's not there for some of the other diseases. Now measles is actually considered to be eliminated because in some parts of the world it's pretty much non-existent and is controlled effectively through vaccination programs. Now again, we've talked about this in another episode, so I won't hammer the point too much, but this is why people who are anti-vaccine are causing some problems, because measles would be a lot closer to eradication if people didn't keep refusing to vaccinate their kids. Moving on. Other diseases that we're working on include rabies, syphilis, rubella, hookworm, and river blindness, among several others. So when we're talking about eradication, it's also important to note that even the best laid plans that have lots of investment and resources are vulnerable to crisis. It might be that some of these efforts have actually been affected by the necessary diversion of resources to, for example, fight COVID. At the same time, what we're learning from this experience in the lab and hospital room and chambers of policymaking could be the source of some piece of insight that will completely change the eradication game for some pathogen that we've been fighting for decades. So I guess the question then is kind of coming back to my COVID vaccine earlier today. Is COVID something that we could ever hope to eradicate? The short answer is probably not. <laughs> Even if the vaccines end up being totally effective and everybody gets it and we all reach a point where it's really not that big of a deal anymore, 
it's probably still not going to be something that we totally get rid of. Now, the main reason for this is that respiratory viruses like COVID could live in hosts other than humans. That's likely how we got into this mess in the first place. The virus jumped from an animal to a human. And at this point, it's also in like so many laboratories. And that's okay, it needs to be there for research. But to be truly gone from the world, everyone would have to agree to like throw all those samples out. And we haven't even done that for smallpox. And that's not even weaving in the fact that we've made like synthetic versions of the COVID virus, which is a technology that we did not have when smallpox was being eradicated. So there's a whole extra layer there. There's also this really important issue of asymptomatic spread. So remember that part about diseases needing to be easy to spot and ideally only transmissible one person is sick? That's not how COVID or most other respiratory viruses work. So we can test people for COVID, that's true. We are less likely to confuse a case of the flu for COVID, especially this far into the pandemic, but we also know that people can have COVID and spread it when they do not feel or look sick, and even when they don't know that they're carrying the virus. So even if we had the technology, eradicating COVID would not be easy. I mean, just look at what a shit show it was dealing with the pandemic just in general. You need coordinated investment and support to pull off an eradication, and that's not really been the story of COVID. But that could change if we've learned anything from this experience. Because again, on the other side of this tragedy is the fact that so many things did come together and work out for us to get to this point, where I can sit here with my sore arm and be grateful that a shot exists that can keep me and hopefully you safe, at least for a little while. Thank you.